1: Let's take just a moment tonight to read a story that is going to be very, very familiar to, I'm going to guess, many of us, if not most of us here tonight, beginning in verse 11 as we give some thought this evening, as the pastor said, to the subject of dealing with a prodigal. The Bible says in verse 11, a certain man, Jesus is of course telling the parable here, when you see the lost sheep and the lost coin, and uh, now it's the, uh, the lost son. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living, wasteful or prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him, this citizen, sent this young man, this prodigal into his fields to to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead." And is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. I mentioned Sunday morning, your pastor just mentioned a moment ago. um, It was February the 6th, 2018, that the Lord chose to uh, take our oldest son home to to be with him, and he was just a freak accident. He was working on his pickup in his driveway, and uh, we're really not sure all that happened, uh, but the, the, the pickup rolled over uh, his head and, and uh, uh, killed him instantly. And again, at that time, um, and we couldn't have been more proud. Of T.J. the dad he was. I mean, when he first when they first moved to the south central part of the state where Sheena was raised, uh, he got he got into bow hunting, got into whitetail hunting, and uh, I mean he was in it to win it. He was he he was serious about his deer hunting and. Uh, had a couple of his hunts on Cabela's. He was part of the Midwest Whitetail Pro Staff, him and three buddies of his. And I mean, they were serious about their bow hunting. And then as as children began to be born and and God began to bring these beautiful young ladies uh, into the home as I showed you on Sunday morning, um, T.J. just began on his own to just Reprioritize his life, and you would have had to have known how serious he was about his hunting, but all of that began to fade as he began to focus on his daughters and being the father that he knew that those daughters needed to be. And, and my wife and I, as we watched from a distance, man, our heart just swelled at, at how he he just gave up what he wanted for what they wanted. I mean, again, it was just everything. It was just the picture perfect home and family. Not, not perfect, I shouldn't say that, but uh, just everything that that you would would imagine it to be. But as the pastor said uh, sadly that was not always the case. There was a span of about three years or so that uh, T.J. got off the rails on us. And the pain it brought to our entire family was almost more than we could take. I really thought that that he was going to put his mom in the grave. I mean, I thought that he was literally going to break her heart. I watched her weep and and beg and plead, and um, it was it, watching her was more than I could take. And. And then I would get angry because of what he was doing to his mom's heart. And and there was just this vicious cycle. And so, if you're experiencing the pain of a, a prodigal right now as either a parent, or perhaps even as a grandparent, I just want you to know that Katie and I have traveled that, that road as well. And our prayer is that that something we have to say tonight uh, will be of some help. So let's, let's start this way. Let's, let's start by identifying a prodigal. Who is a prodigal? What, what is a prodigal? And for the sake of this message, I want to identify a prodigal as anyone who has drifted away, or run away, or totally rejected their Christian heritage. Now, by definition, that that could be a college student who has simply quit going to church. It could be a son or daughter who has not only left home, but They have left the godly heritage that they grew up with, and now, like the prodigal in our story, they're living with reckless abandon in the world. A prodigal could be a once faithful husband who doesn't go to church anymore because his pursuit of his career has not left much time for God and for church in his schedule. A prodigal could be a 20-something mom who decides she doesn't want the responsibilities of a home and a family anymore, and she decides to just walk away. A prodigal could be a pastor's son or daughter who has adopted some radical alternative lifestyle. Some prodigals abandon all belief in God and proclaim themselves now to be atheists. As you can see, there are prodigals of all sorts, but the one thing that they all seem to have in common is that they claim to have been deeply hurt by the circumstances of life, and they feel abandoned or cheated or mistreated by God. Some of them will tell you that because they grew up in such a strict Christian home, they feel like they were robbed of some things, and so now they're just making up for lost time. Some will tell you that They were never really understood or accepted by their Christian peers or their parents, and that now they found someone who accepts them for who they are, for who God created them to be. Others who have drifted away or walked away or just flat out abandoned God and the church they would tell you straight up, it's God's fault. God could have kept their mom from dying of cancer. God could have kept their dad from abusing them. God could have let them give birth to that child instead of taking it. Really, there are as many excuses for prodigals as there are prodigals. But regardless of the excuse they use, it does nothing to ease the pain in the hearts of those who love them. And there are a number of things that make life with a prodigal painful. One, is the embarrassment they bring to the rest of the family, especially if they're a ministry family. Okay, time out. Church, can I just throw this in there real quick? Your pastor's kids are no different than your kids. I'd have been more amens than that. Your pastor's kids are no different than your kids. They're sinners, just like your kids are sinners. They get tempted, just like your kids get tempted. So, please do not hold them to a higher standard just because God called their dad into the ministry they didn't choose a dad that was going to be a preacher right so they're just they're just kids okay time in <laughs> something else that brings pain is the unrelenting guilt and blame that haunts those who love prodigals because somehow they think it's their fault that they've turned away from the lord fear of the consequences of a prodigal's actions also bring pain Moms and dads lay awake at night scared to death that they're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night announcing the death of their prodigal simply because of the lifestyle they're living. But for those who have prodigals in their lives, Perhaps the most painful of all is the struggle in their minds with whether they're saved or lost. And in all honesty, that's not something we can really know, because we can't see their heart. Because we only see the outside, it's easy to conclude that the person we thought we knew so well was never saved in the first place. But again, our knowledge is limited. Saved people walk away from the Lord. Saved people get out of God's will. Saved people can commit some horrendous sins. While the prodigal may appear to have totally rejected his or her background and they may give all the appearances of being lost, at the end of the day, church, only God knows for certain. Man, is it a struggle? But regardless, Of how painful a prodigal's life can be on them and on those who love them, people still choose that path more often than we would like to see it happen. If we could go behind the scenes of even the Christian families we know, most of them would have a story or two of a prodigal. That's because prodigals happen. That's a reality of the Christian life. And just so you'll know Up front, before I go any further, I I want to be honest with you tonight that this is not a message about how to bring them back. (laughs) Because I'll be straight up with you tonight, they're not coming back until they're ready to come back. We see that in the parable Jesus told and, and we just read. We can't argue them back. We can't preach them back. We can't guilt them back. We can't bribe them back. We can't manipulate them back. We can't buy them back. We can't force them back. And even if we could, they would only be back in body. But in spirit, they would still be out there in the far country. Now let me share a little bit of our prodigal story with you. I assumed the pastorate of Fellowship Baptist Church in May of 2000. I had already served on the staff there for 19 years. And as you can imagine, that was a a very busy time for my wife and I. I mean, we were new to the pastorate. We had visions and dreams and goals and plans. And I mean, we both of us, we just hit the ground running. About that same time, TJ was ready to enter the job market. And so we let him take a job at a local fast food restaurant. Unbeknownst to us, call it ignorance, negligence, inattentiveness, naivete, bad parenting, or whatever, he got caught up in a world that we never imagined he would have ever been a part of. And we knew that, that we had some issues. We, we, we were aware of that. But we really didn't know how severe it was until he got arrested and taken to a juvenile detention facility 60 miles north of Liberal. It was a sunny morning about 2 o'clock. My cell phone rings. I answer it. Reverend Prayer, this so-and-so with the Liberal Police Department, you've got 30 minutes to come see your son before he is taken to Garden City. At that point, we knew that we had some real serious trouble on our hands. To make a long story short, T.J. paid for what he had done. And things changed to a, to a degree on the outside, but he was still a prodigal at heart. He went away a year to Pensacola Christian College. I had asked that all of our kids attend at least one year of, of Bible college. It, it's like it ends up being like seven and a half months of the rest of their life. He's not going to kill you to do that. But he took his prodigal heart with him. And he was a prodigal there too. He came home with the same heart he had left with and continued down the inevitable path that a heart like that would lead him and he was a mess to say the least he couldn't or wouldn't keep a job for any length of time but then as a result of a very providential conversation with my barber yes Yes, there was a time (laughs) when I went to the barber. Paid like seventeen bucks for a haircut. I finally, finally figured out it's a dollar for the haircut and sixteen for a finder's fee. But here's my motto, they don't put marble tops on cheap furniture. Amen. So anyway, the young man was cutting my hair. He said, what's T.J. doing? And I said, well, he's about to get his hind end out to national beef and get a job because I'm not raising a bum. And he said, well, do you think he'd be interested in barber school? I didn't really pay that much attention. And. So as I was walking out the door, I stopped turned around and said, hey, are you serious about that, that barber school thing? And they said, we're absolutely serious. And so I got home and called him and said, hey, son, come home. I want to talk to you about a, a job opportunity. And he was real excited about that. And so he came home and and I, I said, hey, I was uh, I was at Sam's and, and Chris cut my hair and uh, they Wanted me to talk to you about going to barber college. And his eyes just lit up. He said, Dad, I cut hair for $5 a head at Pensacola. Went to Walmart, bought me some clippers. That's how I made my money. So he was, he was all about that. And so, much to our pleasure, he, he was off to Old Town Barber College in Wichita. Though he had not really demonstrated a a lot of change for the better, I was still honestly somewhat hopeful and optimistic that maybe this was going to be the thing that turned him around. But last, amongst all of the things that he took with him to Wichita, he took his prodigal heart. And it did what all prodigal hearts do. It led him to absolutely nothing good. And I was convinced that he was going to ruin this opportunity again. But then he met a girl. I'd been telling Katie, I said, I'm telling you that's what it's going to take. He's going to have to meet a girl that he falls in love with and she looks him in the eye and says, you need to get your act together if you're going to be a part of my life. And that's exactly what happened. T.J. always said this, said, Jesus saved my soul and Sheena saved my life. She was a good girl, a nice girl, a Christian girl. Sheena had a, some prodigal history of her own. But it was just that. It was in the past. It was history. TJ ended up coming back to Liberal and living at home while working at that same, uh, with the same guys that had asked him to, to come home and work for them. Sheena moved to Liberal with him. She had an apartment. She worked at a local salon. Now, I don't know if you've caught it or not, but the one recurring theme in our prodigal story is found in every prodigal story that's the heart. At the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. Understand this about every prodigal. They are prodigals because they choose to be. Prodigals aren't prodigals because life didn't treat them fair. A lot of Christians can make that claim who never become prodigals. Prodigals on prodigals because their father was an angry man, or their their mother was an overbearing woman. Prodigals on prodigals because they got their feelings hurt by someone at church. Anybody here ever got your feelings hurt by someone at church? Sure you have. A lot of people get their feelings hurt by other Christians and never walk away from the Lord. Prodigals aren't prodigals because their parents were too strict. We were pretty strict parents, but out of three children, only one was a prodigal. Now, that's not to say that parents don't make mistakes, or that Christians never offend other Christians, or that the pressures of home and family can't be overwhelming at times, but it is to say that ultimately prodigals are prodigals because they choose to be prodigals. There's a reason Solomon said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. As goes your heart, so goes your life. Your heart is where the decisions of life are made. The heart is the place where you decide what values you will live by and what direction you will go and how you will live your life every day. Every important decision you make is guided in large part by your heart. Paul wrote this in Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened, listen, to the deceitfulness of sin. Here's Here's where I believe the problem lies with all prodigals. They've been deceived by sin. Whether it's the sin of bitterness or lust or greed or envy or whatever, it makes no difference. Because a prodigal has allowed their heart to be deceived, they end up making one bad choice right after another. And That describes many young people who were raised in good churches just like this one. They know God. But their hearts are so filled with the things of the world that they are hardened and blinded to the truth. And until their heart is open, listen, all the yelling and all the preaching and all the guilt tripping and all the scripture quoting and all the heart-to-heart talks in the world will not bring them Well, Brother Prater, what What can I do? Are you ready? You can pray. <laughs> well, that's a bummer. Is that all you got? We know that. That's all I got. But that's all you need. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. Katie and I started seeing a change in TJ when we started talking to him less about God and started talking to God more about him. That's when everything began to change. When we started talking to him less about God, and talking to God more about him. Listen, your prodigal doesn't need to be told they're wrong. They know they're wrong. Listen, they've known it since they took the first step toward the far country. Their conscience tells them they're wrong every day. When we talk to a prodigal about what they're doing wrong, we're focusing on the symptom and not the cause. What the loved ones of prodigals need to do is pray that God will change their heart, and once He does that, you'll never have to say another word to them about how they, how they should live. They'll just do it. A few years ago, going up, honey. My wife was, can she use this mic? Can she use this mic? Is it on? There we go. A few years ago, Katie was speaking along these lines to a a ladies meeting, and she shared an amazing, I mean, you'll hear it. It's an amazing story about the power of prayer, and I would say especially the power of a mama's prayer. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll wrap things up.
0: It was early fall. Fall brought beautiful colors in the trees, the sound of kids playing on the playground, and cool weather. But inside our house, our life, Things were not so beautiful. It seemed that everything was full of turmoil and constant strife. You see, my son, TJ, was having a very difficult time in his life. He had been in a lot of trouble. My precious boy had made so many bad choices in his life. And he was just 19. We had had three years of constant struggle. This one day, I will never forget. TJ had managed to challenge and make things miserable in our home, not wanting to obey the rules and not nor live the way God wanted him to live. It was that day that his dad told him he had to make a choice. You see, we had already mark- mortgaged our house and gone through our savings to help him. We had sought counseling for him. We had done everything we we knew to do to reach his heart. His dad told him, you obey the rules, you get a full-time job, and you quit having any contact with those that are having such a bad influence on your life. If you don't want to do this, you'll have to leave our home. We will never, never stop loving you. But you can't live here and do the things that you're doing. His brother, his sister, his dad, and I were all in tears. Preacher left to let him have a little time to make that choice. TJ got mad and said he would leave if that's what we wanted. That's not what we wanted. He walked out the door. I tried to reason with him and even beg him to make the right choice. I could see as he walked down the road how prideful and mad he was. He wouldn't listen. I thought, doesn't he know how much we love him? Doesn't he know how much God loves him and wants the very best for him? As he walked, I watched. I called his name. I yelled out, TJ, we love you. Please come back home. But he kept walking. As he got further down the road, I noticed something was happening. I could see a wrestling going on within him. He would slow down. He would look back, TJ's shoulders by this time were now hunched over, and I knew he was crying. He was not moving now. Then he began to walk again. This went on for a while. He would stop, then he would start walking again. I could see a war going on, a spiritual battle for my son's heart. I realized at that moment the one thing I could do was pray. I believe, as a battle was raging in my son, that if I would just call out to God, I could sway the balance of my son's decision for right. God could do what I couldn't do in that moment. So I prayed like I'd never prayed before. I began begging God, asking him to take over the battle, to defeat the devil, and bring back my son and his heart to him. You see, the devil wanted to devour him, and he was doing a really good job at it. I prayed for what seemed like forever. And then I looked up, thinking my son was going to be long gone. But what I saw? was DJ walking toward me. He was coming back home. That was the beginning of my precious son's road back to the Lord. God had answered my prayers. He had done exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ever ask or think. Even though the road wasn't easy, God was going to transform my son's heart and life. The man he was going to become was an amazing gift to us and all who knew him.
1: Amen. Here's what I want you to take away from that real life story is that it pays to pray. Do you hear me? It pays to pray. Before I Before we pray, I want to just share a few thoughts with you really quick. Number one, your prayers are part of Heaven's plan to reach out to the prodigals in your life and, and bring them back to God. Your prayers are an indispensable link in the chain of God's purposes. Mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, if you're here tonight or if you're watching via live stream, I want you to remember this. Just because God is being silent doesn't mean He's being still. And just because you can't see Him doing something doesn't mean He's doing nothing. Number two, be careful not to become a prodigal yourself. You see, sometimes in our despair, we become so angry and discouraged and resentful toward our prodigal that we get out of sorts with God and become somewhat of a prodigal ourselves at that point. Number three, though our prodigals may have left the Lord, He's not left them, not even for a second. They may be lost to us, but they're not lost to Him. He knows exactly where they are. And what they're doing at this very moment. And here's the truth tonight, He loves them more than we do. And He leads them, I love this, He leads them even when they don't know they're being led. And finally, if praying for your prodigal seems hopeless, at least it puts the hopeless case at God's doorstep, which is where it belongs. See, more than 2,000 years ago, there was a hopeless case in a garden tomb. But on Sunday morning, the whole world was changed because of what God did. If the resurrection teaches us anything, it teaches us that God specializes in hopeless situations. And He loves to prove that hopeless situations aren't hopeless after all. You never know what God's going to do. So parents, keep believing keep praying. Never give up. Pray, pray, and keep on praying. Because your prayers can accomplish more than you could ever dream. So what would be an appropriate response to the message tonight? Number one, it's simple. If you're a prodigal, you need to know the Lord loves you. And your family loves you and your church loves you and the devil doesn't. So whatever he's telling you through your friends or your music or your social media applications, listen to me tonight, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. He has nothing to offer you that will lead to a better life. Second, if you find yourself in the condition I described a moment ago where you've allowed the pursuit of your prodigal to take you away from the Lord to the point that there's just some things right now that aren't aren't right between you and him and your spirit and in your attitude, then I would certainly encourage you to come and get those things squared away. And finally, if in your heart at least you've given up on ever seeing your prodigal return, I trust that that Katie's story will have done something to restore your hope and that tonight will serve as a kind of revival for you in that area of your life because God's still able you believe that tonight, say amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.